Hey everyone, welcome back to Talking Leadership. Today I'm speaking with Jeremy Stretton. How are you, man? I am very well, thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me on. Look, um, thank you for the pre-prep discussion. It's, it's helped me to orient my thinking around some of the questions I need to ask. But before we get stuck into things, just for the sake of those that are listening uh, and viewing this, sorry, I'm trying to get out of the mode of the audio podcasting. So for everyone, for whether you're listening to this or watching me live, uh, just a bit of background on Jeremy. So you wear multiple hats, mate. You're an entrepreneur. You're someone who's working in the legal profession. And I know it's not quite 20 on the bio, but you've two multiple decades in the legal game and you're an author and you've written the business legal life cycle. So before we get into how you got into your leadership pathway, give me a bit of a background on you before we get started with the questions proper, if we can. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Eric. Um, so yeah, I I started law almost twenty years ago. Well, well yeah, I, I started my law degree twenty years ago. So, so that, we'll um, say yeah. we'll say twenty plus years. We'll, we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah. Um, and and I worked for a you know um, a Brisbane based law firm for, for a number of years, and uh, really decided that um, I could do it better. You know the old story. You know I was working for someone else, and I knew that I could run a, a better business. So about a decade ago, I started uh, my own law firm, and uh, that's been a really big journey for me because. If you'd asked me 10 years ago whether I'd um, be a lawyer for the rest of my life, the answer would have been yes. Like, I, I love the law. I love helping people. I love doing what I, what I was doing. And that was my goal was to start a business with my business partner. And we still own that, that law firm. Uh, and then um, to say that I'm going in writing books and advising people and I do a bit of business coaching, as we were talking about before, uh, really, I would, I would have thought that was crazy um, because I thought I'd be a lawyer forever. But I really grew to understand um, how business operates and how we could do things better. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a great journey. Um, I've written yeah, a number of books, as we talked about before. Uh, business Legal Lifecycle was the first and uh, is really my passion around helping business owners to really understand the law and make legal advice accessible for business owners. Yeah, there's a level of envy when I have podcast guests that are, are high achievers and have written multiple books when I am, uh, I'll never get anywhere near writing a book. So um, yeah, it's amazing that, that people can have a career and write multiple books at the same time. Where you well, find the time, I don't know. Well, um, what, what I'd say on that is never say never, because when I started with um, the business coach that I still have now, uh, one of the first things he said to me was, you will write a book one day. And I laughed at him and I said, what lawyer writes a book for, for business owners? Uh, yeah, that, that's a boring textbook. And about four or five years later, I had to ring him and, and eat humble pie and tell him that um, that I'd come up with this concept of the, the life cycle. And, um, and I had a book and I had 13 phases and 13 chapters. And I was like, I had to, yeah. And then I had to admit to him that I wrote it. So never say never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay it's still it's uh it's one of those things in far off future if i would ever get to it but it it, it uh what, what am i looking for here what i'm trying to say is that it can be inspiring to see someone on that passion about what they do um get to the point where they want to write a book and so i just wanted to ask you because in the intro and and i could have asked this in the questions but i'll, I'll do it now before we get into them into the the weeds of the questions is more um, there seems to be maybe a, a grey line between a lawyer and an entrepreneur in that when you go out and hang your own shingle up anyway and you're providing legal advice, you could see that as an entrepreneurial venture, although technically you're not an entrepreneur in that sense. But it seems that uh, the two, those two things are connected and you've gone down that pathway. Do you know of others that have made the leap from being in love with the law and wanting to be in a legal in the legal profession to working in their own businesses in that way? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it comes down to um, in um, the E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber, he talks about the entrepreneur, the manager and the technician. And most professionals, they start their business being a great technician and they have no idea about what management or entrepreneurship actually is. So sure. I don't. I know lots of other lawyers uh, I used to work for for a couple that were really stepping away from being um, being lawyers and um, and were being more the entrepreneur and, and starting other businesses. So I think it's a very common path. I think that for for what I see, especially in the professions and the people that I talk to, is there's you know, a couple of different people's mindsets. Some people love being lawyers, and you know I know. I know um, one lawyer that comes to mind. He's a good mate of mine. He's been a lawyer, fa- a family lawyer for forty plus years, and he loves it. He absolutely loves what he does every day. He has no desire to build a team, no desire. He does run his own business, but he's got no desire to, build, to do anything else. That's what sure. he loves to do, and that's perfectly fine. And that's his mindset. But there's others who do have a more entrepreneurial mindset who figure that you know there's got to be something more and i don't know like, i've thought about this a lot and i think it comes down to a, a bit like um i think it's malcolm gladwell talks about the ten thousand hours to master something uh and i feel that that once you get to that ten thousand hours it kind of gets a, a bit boring like you feel like i got to a point where i felt like i've kind of done everything i can do i've, I've achieved everything that i can achieve uh, and so you know, why keep on doing that? Let's get another challenge. So I think I think there's a combination of factors in there, uh, but it's something to, to really answer your question. It's really something that I've seen a lot of, that a lot of lawyers, a lot of professionals kind of get bored with that day-to-day technician work and want to do something more to keep, um, to really, I guess, keep interested in what they're doing. Kind of makes sense when when you're saying that, um, you know, at the start of this conversation, 20-odd years, maybe plus in mm. in one profession that, yeah, if by that amount of time you haven't really done all you could possibly do, then yeah, stay on and keep at it. And obviously, that that um, colleague of yours that uh, is still doing uh, the family law, that if that's what passionately drives them, then they will have work until the day that they want to retire. So yeah, horses for courses. I, I can understand that. So Jeremy, okay, let let's get into the question. So mm. you've hinted at your leadership pathway and kind of how you got to where you got to, but let's flesh that out a little bit. Um, and I'll ask this question a slightly different way if, if you'll allow me an indulgence as the as the host here, and I, I know that's cool. So let's go with this. You've, you've teased out in some ways why you made the jump. Was it a specific event that said to you, right, I think I've got to go, or was it a series of things that sort of... Uh, uh, help to bring the puzzle together that said, yeah, I've, I've got to do something related, but slightly different to what I'm doing now. Was, was there that aha moment for you or not? I think, I think there's probably two, if I look back uh, on my life over the last decade in particular, there's probably two moments. And the first was when I decided to start my own law firm. And that was really just born out of frustration and really born out of frustration that I knew I could become a partner at the firm I was at, but I didn't want to be. I didn't, you know, I really liked the founding partners, uh, but the other people that they brought into the business weren't people that I liked um, and, and that I didn't get along with, to be really honest. <laughs> and, um, and, and I didn't want to spend the rest of my life being partnered with people that I didn't like. So, you know, I made that decision to start my own law firm with my business partner, who we did work together at the time as well. And we both left at the same time, which was a great conversation to have. Um, but but yeah, it was really around the I, I, in my mind, I knew what I wanted. I knew I wanted to have more control over my life, but I knew that I didn't want to be partnered with certain people that were either or that were on their way to being partners of, of that law firm. So the alternative is be unhappy or go and do my own thing. And so I 
never liked doing stuff that makes me unhappy. So I, I decided to go and do my own thing with, with my um, um, business partner. And the other one was, um, you know, when I made that shift, and again, looking back is, is in, with hindsight, with 2020 vision is great. Uh, at the time, I had no idea that I was doing this. Uh, there were two cases that I acted for different clients with uh, in, the, in my own law firm. That one guy lost over a million dollars of other people's money. And another guy lost nearly $2 million of his own property because they didn't understand the legal risks of what they were doing. They didn't take proactive legal steps to, to prevent uh, or to, to, yeah, to prevent problems from occurring. And what ended up happening was uh, yeah, we, would, we would try and save them. The, the gentleman who almost lost $2 million of his own property, we managed to save him. The other, gen, other people who were in a business partnership lost a million dollars of other people's money all because they didn't get legal advice. And when you sat down with them and said, why not? They said, oh, because legal, legal advice is expensive. I don't like talking to lawyers. They're difficult to deal with. Uh, yeah, they lorded over me. They use big words. And we just thought we could do it ourselves. And it really struck me that there's, 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 I know there's a better way. And there's this better way of being proactive and actually helping people. So you know, after that shift, and for me, it was really around that. It was these two matters where, I was like, there must be a better way. We can't just keep on as a profession helping people solve their problems that cost them so much money that they could prevent in the in the um, in the past. So it really triggered in my brain. And that you know, I said before, I had to admit that I had a had a, a book after four years of saying I ne would never write one. And I, I really met, sat down and mapped out this life cycle, so the business legal life cycle, which is thirteen phases of what you should do and when you should do it in a business from a legal point of view in particular. And I worked out, here's, here's why I went through all the businesses that did things well and all the ones that did things badly and mapped out what are the steps that they need to take. And it was really that, those two matters uh, that, that where, where I just knew there had to be a better way. And so it was really an inflection. At the time, I had no idea that's the journey I was going on. But looking back at it now, five, six years later, I can really see that was a, a pivotal moment for me. So many questions. Um, <laughs> we don't we don't have all day on this, but I'll, I'll go with one that really stands out for me. That um, in oh, it'll be a statement first, and I guess a question to follow. That it seems you took a uh, a considered uh, what would you call it a values based stand about what could be done better, and you made your call after that, and that you know, takes guts to do that kind of stuff. And I don't think everyone gets the luxury and it is a luxury to find a moment where you go, wow, this is the, this is a tipping point or this is what needs to change at some point in time. Maybe COVID has brought that up in some senses, but I'm not going to touch COVID for this conversation other than for that reference. So I've just broken my own rule, but that's okay. Uh, so um, to me, this sounds a lot like a defining leadership moment so let's segue if we can into that that question then how do you define leadership jeremy that's a great question eric and for me it's around uh, having a vision and really knowing what your vision is where you're going and then really thinking through okay how am i going to get there and from a leadership point of view it's who's going to help me get there uh this is a lesson that, that i had to really learn for myself as a lawyer you're you know, i've said before you're a great technician you're a great technician doing the work every day and you're the who people come to you to do the work and 
leadership is is a very different beast. It's you've got to lead other people. And so it's around, for me, it's around, okay, I know my vision. I, I have a very big goal of making legal advice accessible to all SMEs around the world. That's my goal. And I know that I can't do that myself, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that would do my head in. I need to partner with other lawyers. I need a team to help me do that. So it's around knowing that vision and then keeping the, the boat rowing in that direction and always thinking, you know, will it make the boat go faster, whatever decision that I make? So for me, it's around knowing my vision and then making sure that the decisions I make are helping to achieve that goal, but then also bringing my team along with me um, and, and who is the right person uh, to actually achieve those goals. That's how I see leadership. Jeez, it's not a not a small goal there to change um, that on a global scale. At least you know what, what the goal is. Um, all right. So in in that vein and taking people with you, and yeah, c- couldn't disagree with anything you've just said. Making decisions in that context. Now I'm taking you out of the legal one on one stuff to working with other people. I think you know where I'm going with this. I've, I've used the phrase, and I didn't coin the phrase, nor am I taking credit for the phrase, the lonely road of leadership. Do you believe it's, it is a lonely pathway or is it as lonely as you make it? I think it's as lonely as you make it because, because I think both statements are true. I think leadership and, and being a business owner is a lonely pathway, but there are things that you can do to change that. Uh, yeah, even having a business partner, there are times when I feel lonely right? Because there are certain discussions that we can or we probably should have, but we don't have. And, uh, and, you know, even, and even when you make those discussions, it's quite lonely getting to that discussion. So I think that it definitely is a lonely path, but there is so much these days that you can do to actually uh, fix that and, ha- and, and actually do that. You know, one of the things that I do is I run masterminds. We haven't really talked about this before, but I run online masterminds uh, where we actually bring business owners together. And one of the big points that we make around this is actually it's coming together with a group of you know, no more than 10 business owners to understand what each other's got going through in their business and to, to really do um, and to really know what um, you're missing in your business. So for me, it's you, it is lonely, but you can choose whether or not you're lonely or not. You, you know, we've all got choices. Everything's a choice in life, even if we think it's not. And so you can choose to surround yourself with people that will give you that that great advice. And also I have a fabulous 2IC in my businesses. Um, she's she, she and I get on really well and she's fabulous at calling me out on stuff. And so that makes it, it better too. So I, I think it is a choice and it's something that people can get around very easily if they are willing to put themselves out there. Without without naming your, your 2IC, um, did you actively look for someone who was going to be uh, a naysayer when you needed that so someone to call you out or did that develop over time and, and why I ask this question is and I know that everyone will approach this in a slightly different way but I get the sense that some people and some leaders that I've met who will of course remain nameless um, and uh, that have never participated in my podcast so you'll never know who I'm talking about but uh, getting that kind of feedback it was just never in their DNA that they were to be unquestioned in what they did. And we've all met those people. You mm. seem to be okay to, to be called out on your BS when, when you need to be. Did you actively look for that or was that something that developed over time? It's definitely something that developed over time. So she she worked in the law firm as a paralegal for a long time and then um, graduated to be office manager, 
And then um, after that, you know, with what I was doing, she liked what I was doing, so I came in. And but I had to cultivate that relationship. Uh, it wasn't. It, it's a, definitely a strength of hers, but it's something that she didn't know that she could do, and that she didn't feel comfortable doing early on either. So I had to create that safe space and be and and to, to allow that to happen, and also to ask for it as well, like genuinely to say. If you disagree with me, I want you to tell me. That's part of you know in, in her job description that we that we wrote that we wrote up um, when she was st- starting to become business manager with me on the, the various things that I do. That was one of the, the conditions was you need to call me out on it, and that takes time. And so you got to be comfortable with that. And Eric, I wasn't always comfortable with that approach either, right? <laughs> at least you, at least you're honest. I, yeah, I, I, look, I, I I'm I'm amazed that um you could put that in in a PD, and for me at my point in my career, and I think you're there as well, that um, you look at advice and feedback and criticism of whatever kind, and as long as it's delivered constructively, like Mm. I think I react better when someone says, look, can we go through point by point and these are just some suggestions rather than, hey, this is shit, don't like it, and here's my critique. I think it's all in the delivery. I think as you you progress and get more experience, I'm not necessarily talking age here because you can get younger people that get experienced very quickly and are very uh, um, very good at what they do, that as you mature into roles, your capacity to take that on is seen as an asset for you because it helps you to be a better practitioner in whatever field you're at. And so um, good to hear that you got there. Um, I know when I was younger, I would never have this conversation with anyone about telling the boss mm. what was what, but now I get to practice that a lot with the board that I work with, not in a disrespectful way, but if I think that they're potentially stepping on a landmine, I will call that out. And then at least I know I've done everything I could to brief the people I need to brief. And then at the end of the day, they're adults, they're business people. They have their own way of thinking. I've at least given them the tools to go forward. So yeah, it's interesting that you say that and, and being comfortable to take that, um, yeah, it sounds like it took you. It was a it was a progression to get to that point. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, okay. I, I think the seminal thing that, that someone said actually, David Dugan, who's my business coach and and runs a business coaching outfit that I work with, he said to me when I had children, he said, "You get what you project." And when I heard that, I was like, "Oh, you're right." And I see that with my children. And but that's the same as with your team. It's the same with every relationship you have, right? You get what you project. And you know, if if you allow people to, well, if you if you if you don't create a safe space for people to be able to challenge you then they're not going to challenge you and so part of being a leader is around recognizing you get you, you get what you project and if you if someone gives you feedback and then you're aggressive or you're closed-minded or whatever you know you you really um you know i guess you take out of that emotional bank account that, that people talk about and that that person's ne- never going to challenge you again so it's around being open and honest about it and i'm just lucky that we've built our friendship as well where that that you know she feels completely safe to, to challenge me on that so that that works well brilliant quote you get what you quite some wise words there obviously um the gentleman you mentioned sorry what was his name again david da- david uh has been there and done that with kids um i've, I've got uh 18 year old who's finished high school and uh a 15 year old and um yeah, there's nothing like them making you feel your years as they're progressing through life. But yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, mate. Um, look, we've gotten to a good point in the discussion, and, and I often ask this next theme. I didn't know whether to ask it because I, I think we can go elsewhere with some of the questions. But mm. um, 
measuring success now uh, I often ask this because I'm not looking for the uh, well my KPI for success is this many people through mm. the door or this many wins and hopefully you have more wins and losses as a legal person but you know that that is what it is it's left to the gods in some senses um, measure of success do and, and I'll ask this in a slightly different way because I'm, I'm intrigued where you might go with the response mm. Did you do you think your measures of success when you first started as a professional have changed over time? And if they have, on what basis do you think that change happened? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, like, all right. Well, that ends down. the podcast. <laughs> We're thinking, no. All right. No, go on. That's the that's the the podcast nightmare, right? Where someone gives a one word answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so for me, it comes back to and I, I said it before around having a goal. Um, and so I always have a goal. I have a very large goal with this business. I also have other goals for, for other things, but it's around having a goal of where I want to go. And I only learned this, you know, after I started my own business, right? I, you know, we just, as I said before, we were just going to have a law firm that, that was going to you know, run, run forever, you know, the next 40 years, just be lawyers and just helping people in the, in the general community. And that was a, a goal of sorts, but it wasn't a really well-defined goal. But, but actually sitting down and working out what is a goal that actually can change things? What's a goal that can actually um, change where you're going and change the world, right? Allows you to then uh, set your, your smaller targets as you're going. So I every year we redo our goal of where we're taking this business and, and, and the various different businesses that we're going. And we realign it based on what's happened in the last 12 months. You know, we're, we're recording this at the end of 2021, which is, you know, the end of two years almost of pandemic. And so the goals changed massively over the last couple of years. So I, I would say absolutely. And I would say it would change at least every year, right? At least every year because uh, my measure of success will change because I'm changing my goals. And because I'm changing my goals to make them bigger, although you can't get much bigger than changing, <laughs> making legal life successful for everyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> small, small target, but yeah, go on. Yeah. But, uh, but, but you can, you, yeah, my measure of success changes based on what I, what I think I can achieve. And so for me, I have KPIs, I have critical drivers that help me get to my KPIs, but they do change regularly and they will continue to change because I think that I, I know for myself, I need that. Uh, I can't just have some set, set in, in stone uh, goal, which I'll you know, reach one day and then what am I going to do? I don't know, go and sit on the beach and that, 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 you know, that'll last for about a week. <laughs> so even with the lovely beaches that we have around. Yeah. Um, actually, you made me you made me feel um, comfortable uh, when you said, when you mentioned COVID. So we've both done it now. If we can't, you can't seem to escape this topic. But yeah, look, uh, it's, it's interesting that you do it on a yearly basis. And uh, this will be the third time now. But with, I won't use the word, with the current situation that we're all facing, <laughs> Um, I think the idea of what does strategy and goal setting look like has to become more, uh, um, you have to have more, uh, and here's a, a academic term, but I think it's, it's applicable here, the degree to which you have things like strategic ambidexterity in the business and take that one step further, how, how much you're able to pivot in the business is critical. And so you said yearly, but I think, from what I'm hearing, if you needed to do it every six months, every three months, you'd want to do it to reach your goal. Because if you, as goal focused as I think you're, you are, but just by what you're describing, I mean, if you've got the the aim and the ambition of changing this this uh, this discussion around the law and access to it on a global scale, this this is big, this mm. is big picture stuff that you're doing. So, 
Okay, and uh, and I guess the measure of success may change over time too. Because um, and what if you franchise what you're doing out to other countries, and then uh, you know I'm just talking out loud here. I don't I don't know exactly where you're going with it, but you know you, you could do it. You become like the McDonald's of of, of helping people to engage with the law, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. Make it accessible to everybody. Mm. Um, all right, Jeremy. So we've got to a point here where um, I, I I can't. I can't pick it exactly at where you might go with the next topic area, but I'm fascinated to ask because you do have a legal background is leader capability. So um, you've been, you have been uh, as a professional having to develop, have been going to find the pro- proper English phrases here. You have had to develop certain leader capabilities or capabilities in general in the legal profession, but you've also had to develop them for, your entrepreneurial ventures and what you're doing outside of the legal sphere and the crossover that's there. Do you have a, 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 a list, a, 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 a Jeremy Stretton list of the key leader capabilities or is it something that is an ongoing conversation for you? Like, do you have some that you think are critical for you? Um, for me, uh, there's three things that I see as like my leadership values uh, one, uh, and, and these are things that I value and so that I look for in people that I work with. And that's loyalty. So, you know, people who are loyal and, and don't backstab and, and all the rest of that, which you see far too often. Uh, a growth mindset. So people who are willing to grow. Uh, who, people who listen to great podcasts like this one. Who love to uh, read thanks. <laughs> thanks, mate. Yes. Yes. Uh, um, and also people who are present. Uh, you know, every time that you hear someone who's met a billionaire or a you know, millionaire or whatever. One of the things that always sticks in my mind is that they always talk about the fact that that person was completely present in a, in a conversation. So I, I network a lot in the, in the States. I have a, um, a networking group that I'm, I'm in out of Nashville. And uh, what, the guy that runs that is a very, very wealthy man. And, one of the, and he runs multiple different enterprises and he's, he's everywhere. But one of the things that always, always strikes me when I go to meet him his name's Aaron Walker, or as he says, Aaron Walker, because his mother gave him two A's. <laughs> Lovely guy. Really, really, really great guy. Uh, he always says, or he's always very present in the conversation. Yeah, we'll, we'll be in a room with is like 150 people in that, in that group. And he, he's completely focused on you. And you hear the same about all the great leaders, that when they're talking to you, when they're engaging with you, that they're present. And so for me, it's, the presence is such an important uh, part of being a leader and, and as such an important value. So for me, it's those three, loyalty, growth, and presence. If you don't have that, then for me, it's something that we can work on, but um, they're, the, they're the keys for me that I, that I think people need to have. That's, that's great. Um, the, the third one in that list of being present is, is new to the discussion. This is the point. This is what drives me to do um, the podcast and to have these discussions. Yeah, that, that's, that's quite an important one. And I think you can tell when someone is not there or uh, uh, maybe this is not the right, I think this is the right uh, comparison that we're so into our technology and on the phone that you could be with friends at a dinner table and you're all on the phone and you may not all be quite there. And it's, it's quite telling that when people pick up on it or you call someone out on it, they get very defensive. Well, the phone is like an extension of me and no, it's not. And it's a tool to do things. It's not you. Um, yeah, okay, that I, I, I like that. And I think I'll, I'll, I'll tease that out a bit more in, in other discussions, but you've defined it quite nicely. And uh, the fact that you look for that 
suggest that you might be looking for those three things in other leaders that you deal with. And so if you met someone that might be quite a wealthy individual, if they don't um, want to be present, but you've got the other two, it might maybe set you back, it might make you rethink relationships. Is that is that a fair call? Yeah, I, yes, it is a fair call. And it's not something I'd probably do consciously, but it's something that I'm, I'm very mindful of. I even have a post-it note on my on my um, screen with those three words on it um, as, a, as a constant reminder to myself that, that, that those, you know, um, those are the things that I, that I do value. And you don't always think of that in a conversation, but, you know, like I remember, and I won't say his name, <laughs> but my old boss would be in a meeting. Please don't and- get me into legal problems, given <laughs> that you have a legal background. So that would, that would be good. Yes. No, no, no. But he, but he would be in a meeting with a client and he'd be spending half the time on his phone. I've got my phone in my hand. He'd be spending half the time texting people on his phone and responding to emails and, that just always struck me as very, um, a very poor form. <laughs> I'm sure if he thought about it, he'd probably, he'd probably agree with me too. Uh, and, and and that's not being present. So yeah, it's around um, just that presence and not being distracted is so important. And if you are distracted, call it out and and you know call out the fact that you are distracted. I've done that in the past too when someone hasn't been present in a conversation. I'm like, you seem to be distracted. What's going on? <laughs> and, yeah, and, okay. and usually people don't even realize that they're doing it. They don't realize that they're that that's they're a that's a tough one to do. That that mm. takes um a lot of courage to call someone out on that because I if I was having a meeting with you and I thought you were distracted with with someone else, I'd go, look, can we do this another time when you can give me your full concentration? I'm not asking for all all of it for 24 hours, just for the 10, 15 minutes that I might need you. So yeah, no, I yeah, I can see where you're going with that. Okay. Um, Jeremy, the nature versus nurture question. Uh always ask this and I'm, I'm very interested to see where you'll go with it. Are leaders born or are they made? Well, they're all born because everyone's born at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. That, that's the first one on that one for me. All right. Fair enough. Um, sorry. That's just my, my poor sense of humor. Um, but then I think, I think they're born and they're made. I think is the, is the answer uh, that you, know, you need to have a desire to be a leader. I don't think that you can throw someone into to being a leader. Um, so I don't think you can, I don't think you can just get someone and go, you must be a leader. And I've seen that in the legal profession all the time. Someone who's a great technician, they, someone goes, oh, you'll be a great leader. And they're terrible at managing people because they have no desire to manage the people. So I think, I think that, yeah, everyone's born, everyone, everyone could do it, but they've got to want to do it. And so, you know, it's really around what are their values? What are their, what are their goals? Where are they going with it? And, um, you know, and, and you can really make someone do it. But if they don't want to do it, don't try and make them do it because that's just a recipe for disaster. And you see that in the professions all the time. All the time you see people promoted to a senior associate or a special counsel or something and they're going to have people under them. But they don't really want that. They just want to be the technician. So, uh, you know, the born leader is the person who, who wants that, has that desire or develops that desire over time. And then the made is the part where we actually go in and we help them to make them um, become the leader that we want them to be. That's interesting. Um, you bring up the, the the element of leadership as it being a choice. And yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. I, I think that no one forces leadership on anyone. Um, I think the only time where... It, you have to bring it to the fore is when you're parenting. Now, I'm not talking you're, you're going to set agendas for your kids and they're going to uh, behave to script because that never bloody happens. But I think uh, being a role model and, um, you know, the uh, uh, having them believe that the standard they're prepared to walk by is the standard that they're prepared to accept, that that, that stuff is something you hope your kids will learn. And 
um, as much as you believe, and this is from a parenting perspective, so make of this what you will, that it's not only you that's helping to build that that in them, it's who the, who they associate with their friends, how they look on life and all that stuff sort of comes together and you hope that they make good choices. And uh, where I was trying to go with that is as a parent, um, that's a, a leader role that you can't escape because you've got to, you've got to be present uh, again, using that terminology, but also, you know, put aside the growth mindset and loyalty with your kids because you hope that they're bonded to you because they love you. But, you know, um, definitely the being present for your kids is quite important. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's uh, the, the thinking on there is underdone. I think that um, if you can show those behaviors that are typically good in leaders, I think those behaviors are typically good in any human being. So if you're good with people, you you demonstrate your values and, and you're not prepared to walk all over human beings. Doesn't matter if you're a leader, these are good things to have for normal functioning human beings. So yeah. Um look, um, Jeremy, the final topic area, and I I I, I don't I don't think that this is as critical in the podcasting as I used to think it was, but I, I want to ask it because what you've brought up here is although you need to look to the future looking back is also important if you want to get to a point where you're a better practitioner in the leadership game. Now, I don't think everyone would agree with that, but for you personally, if I asked you to look back and the question is, uh, what would you say to a Jeremy Stretton, a younger version of yourself of being about, about being a more effective leader? It's around learning. I think one of the things that I, I didn't do well when I was a young lawyer was was to learn and read and educate myself in other areas other than the law we have certain requirements every year that we have to have so many cpd points continuing professional development points yeah please, please please yeah. the acronym game yeah okay so on, ongoing yeah. professional yeah. development yeah. okay yep. so, so you have to yep. do that on legal on legal things so that you'll stay up to date with what how the law is changing and what, and what needs to happen but for me i think one of the big changes for me was around educating myself i read or listen to podcasts or listen to audiobooks for at least three hours a day so i'm a, i'm an early riser i got two small children i get up at 4 a.m before they get up and i read for at least an hour maybe two before they before they get up depending on the day <laughs> wow. and when the sun's coming up and i have a very clear goal of three hours a day to learn i got that from um have you heard, ever heard of zig ziglar eric no He's a he's a he's now um, deceased. Um, he was an an American um, a sales coach, uh, uh, very very popular over there on how to sell and my, mindset and leadership. And that was always something that struck me with what he said. He said, if you're not doing at least three hours a day of learning, then you're you're not learning enough. And th- th- when I first heard that, like that's a lot of a lot of stuff. But you know, I've got. I make sure that I'm always learning. I'm always looking for, for new opportunities. I'm always looking for what, where, where the technology is going, you know, like in, we're in Australia, you and I, and um, you know, we're generally a year or two behind the rest of the world in, in a lot of, you know, the, the, the latest trends. So it's about being on top of those so that I can, I can you know, be at the forefront of that going forward. So for me, the thing I would tell myself right back 20 years ago would be learn more about non legal areas and learn more about personal development and and um and um business wow okay um thank you for sharing that yeah look the 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 hindcasting question can be taken a couple of ways and uh 
I haven't had a response like that before about the, the, the learning now three hours a day. Yeah. Okay. That's I think I could work to that, but not straight away, but I, I get what you're saying that. Um, and I think the nub of that is if you have a lifelong learning approach to ha- what you do, surely to God, it wouldn't just be in the one area that you're interested in that you might have other interests. So, and it, and your response kind of makes sense given where you've gone with your business now and what you do professionally that, um, you've, you've branched out to do other things. So this is great. Look, Jeremy, thank you for your time. But before we end the podcast, um, give us a bit of a heads up on what you're doing and uh, any information for those that are listening and or watching the, the podcast today. Yeah, so um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So people, if they want to look for me on LinkedIn, I'm the only person um, that I've seen in the world so far that spells my last name the way that I do. Uh, so if you search for Jeremy Stratton on on um, LinkedIn, people will be able to find me there. Send me a connection request. Just say that you heard me on this podcast and I'd love to love to connect with you. Uh, uh, also, so one of the signature products that we have at the life cycle uh, is a test. It's an assessment that you can do on your business to figure out where are those legal risks and blind spots that you have in your business. Uh, we have a, 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 a test online. It takes about 10 minutes. It asks about 30 questions uh, and it's, it's about $97 Australian to, to take the test. As a thank you for having me on, if people go to businesslegallifecycle.com slash talking leadership just as one word uh there'll be a page that we've set up directly for for this podcast as a thank you for having us on where that people can get a 50 percent discount on that just follow the instructions on the page to, to take that test uh, and really find out what those legal blind spots are and they and they can also go there we've got lots of content on the website we're constantly publishing new stuff um, we're constantly uh providing new information uh, that, that's relevant for business owners so you can check that out and see what we do if you sign up for our newsletter we will not spam you either it will be it, you know it will be relevant information uh, that that will be um, good for you and for, for your um, business journey or even if you're just interested to learn more about the legal um, the legal side of things there's heaps of stuff on there um, that we freely share because we yeah. want to help help people to see stuff I appreciate you you making the offer and I'll, I'll make all of those links available in the uh, podcast description both on YouTube and on the um, podcast platforms that the audio version of this will go on so Jeremy thanks for your time man thanks so much Eric For those listening, this has been Talking Leadership. Thank you for joining me again and we'll catch everyone on the next podcast. 